in your ears. Well, I tried yeah. to answer it. Sorry. Uh, let's see, audio. There we go. I should be hearing you, but I'm not. So oh, it says Skype here. Well, it came up here or something. Uh, Hold on. Well, I'm a, oh, there. finally. Okay. There. Uh, sorry, you caught me in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I, um... I, huh, okay. I'm, I'm on my iPad because that was all that was open uh -huh. here. So, uh, so okay. Uh, yeah. I, um... Hmm. Anyway, I can hear your television loudly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty loud. Uh, let me move to the other room, and I think I'll take my computer with me. Yeah. Don't think I'll need my phone. Hope not, anyway. You're wearing flip flops or something? I hear your feet going slap, slap, slap as you walk. Yeah, I'm wearing my uh, slippers, actually. Mm. Uh, let's see, find a place to put this stuff. Can I redial you to get you sure. transferred over to my other machine? Yeah, let me hang so, up. <clears throat> okay, I'll hang up here too. That's better. Yeah, sorry about that. It <laughs> popped up dialing, and I just reached over and clicked on the button, and as soon as I hit it, it was like, crap, that was the red button. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. Yeah. Stuff changes right in front of you. Yeah. No, anyway. Nothing changed. I just, just reacted wrong. <laughs> I can't blame anything but me. Yeah. Uh, messages. Here we go. Did you send any? No, you didn't do anything today. No, not really. I mean, there's a few things that were in there before, but that's about it. We can look at that. We can, um, you know, see what's what's what. Look on the okay. Mac. Starkey was the end of the last call, right? Yeah.
And then we got California just killed solar. I don't know if I remember that one, and that's a video, so that doesn't work very well for talking. Nope. So I think the Apple's Reality Pro and uh, you sent a video about kill switches that you can talk about. I didn't do. And then well, the, the uh, AI voices that are uh, now narrating for some of Apple's books. Uh, I don't think we got enough material here. We'll figure it out. I'm I'm looking at like Mac rumors and Mac um, Daily News, and there's stuff there that we can just kind of go down the list of stuff. So, uh, let me pull up some like uh, see. I don't know necessarily where to find these things on my computer. I guess just get into Safari and go to. What mm-hmm. did you suggest? I went to Mac Daily News and Mac Rumors and just looking at the, you know, list of stories there. There's plenty of things to talk about. Okay. You know, uh, one I think is interesting, I'll send a link specifically to it, is the uh, um, complaints about uh, iOS 16 being buggy. Oh, okay. I think that's relevant. I've had a, a series of different kind of weird issues with it. Um, one I'd like to talk about is Apple's touting the fact that they now are going to be um, streaming the English Premier League soccer here, but they they dropped out of uh, the NFL Sunday ticket, and Google won that, and I'm very disappointed about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I also have wanna... a, a brief rant and a... Uh, a uh, announcement of sorts. I've started posting on a blog regularly, so uh-huh. so I can talk about okay. that, and you can comment. All right. Let's see. Report to to... bugs. Okay. For uh, commercial ten. I guess these are two separate articles here, aren't they? Yeah, with the AR thing. Mm-hmm. Narrated Apple books. I don't know what that was. I can talk about it if you didn't read it. I've read about it in several places. I don't know that I read that particular article, but it's it's been all over. So it's it's they're now using an AI voice to narrate some of their books, the ones that um, are not popular enough that they have paid for an an actual uh, human reader. So well, let's yeah. get started, then we can talk about it. Okay. Okay. Good day to everybody. Yes, more cowbell. That's what we all need in our life, right? Uh, I'm Todd Brinker. This yeah. is Generation Tech, and that laugh was my dad, Jack. How are you today? I'm fine, son. Good to yeah. hear your voice. Likewise. We've uh, been off a little while, so it's nice to get back at it. Here we are recording yeah. on the 16th of January. It is, as we speak, Martin Luther King Day. So for those of you who are still part of the workforce, it's a national holiday. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were not only were we off for a while, but then we were kind of lazy on putting together our, um, our, uh, 
run list of things we were going to talk about, but one of the things at the top of the list is Apple has announced that they are going to provide audio versions or audio narration of some of the Apple books that they have, specifically ones that are maybe not popular enough to to warrant um, the traditional recording of a, a reader, you know, for the books, which I think is great. You know, to me, in a sense, the, the news is almost not news in that you've been able to use a, um, you know, a computer voice to read books to you. And basically what they've done is made it much better. It's gotten better. So, yeah, no surprise there. It's going to get better, right? Because, you know, it used to be that the computer would read to you like this. And it was pretty awful to listen to a book like that. I mean, yep. if, you, if you had to do it, I suppose if you were, you know, visually uh, disabled, then uh, that was a problem for you. Or if you had eye problems or you're blind or whatever, you know, whatever the issue might be, then, you know, that it was better than nothing. And now the AI voices, and they've got several samples of them, and you can go listen to them, um, are actually pretty darn good. You know, they um, they sound, you know, more like a human voice with intonation where you think there would be. I will say though that as you listen to it, you think either this person has a strange accent, or because some of the pauses and stuff still aren't perfect for somebody who's like a native English reader. Um, and mostly it's the things, and, and I'm sure it'll continue to get better, but there's this, uh, depending on your intent, there's usually a, you modify, you know, there's an inflection at the, at the end of a sentence where you either kind of go up in tone or down in tone as, an, as a native English speaker, mm-hmm. and it doesn't quite get that right. And, and it's funny how something that subtle is something that you notice and you go, That's, that sounds wrong. Something's not quite right there. So it doesn't sound like a human being, but it sounds much, much, much better than the old, you know, computer reading things, which, have, they, you know, they've, they've been getting better and better over time. Um, I mean, in uh, Mac OS, it's built in. You can highlight text and have it read to you. And that's pretty good now. And this is better. You know, I suspect yeah. that they'll use this AI stuff built into Mac OS at some point, if not already, you know, so yeah. that uh, you can pick the voice and because the, the, they've got several different like, quote, personalities that you can have read a couple different male and a couple different female ones. Well, it depends so. what what they're reading. Uh, yeah. That matters the most. Because yeah. I, I'm not a, a, a typical customer of a typical books like your mom is she she reads the uh-huh well you're talking about mysteries books, and stuff books like for that, pleasure you know? right yeah yeah you tend to read informational books and and consequently when i mm. whenever i get my hands on a book i read and reread mm-hmm. uh, lots of things because it's awful often what i call dense literature right uh you really want to try to understand what they're saying in absolute accurate detail and so you uh, it's it's when i'm reading technical books i read like that but i also read for pleasure and so mm-hmm. for pleasure you know if you you can zip through it and if you don't quite get something you'll probably pick it up in the context of the story going on so it's it's like watching a a, a television show or a movie at home and getting up and go to the bathroom and come back you know you can pause it or back it up nowadays but if you don't you usually kind of pick up what happened yeah. As opposed to a how-to <laughs> novel, right, or a how-to book. You know, if you're reading a book about how to replace uh, the fuel injector on your car, you can't skip a step. 
you can't go yeah. to the bathroom, come back, and then try to go, okay, now he's working on this. And it's like, well, how did he get there? I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the, the other thing is, is that uh, I'm, I'm only speculating here, but uh, generally when I have listened to small pieces of literature, not, mm -hmm. not, not a whole book, right. uh, there's a major difference in what I call dramatic reading. That means professional readers that uh, get right. into the story such that they almost, you know, they change their voice to uh, if a right. character changes and and things like that. Yeah. A good and, reader can make an average book really, really interesting. Yeah. That's <laughs> that, that I could handle, but if it's right. just sitting there reading, like I'll, this article here, the popularity of the audio book market has expanded in recent years with yeah. technology companies scrambling for a foothold or whatever, Yeah, you know, that, I wouldn't tolerate that very long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, and, and that's where this gets better is this sounds more like a human being with, with, uh, you know, better intonation and better pacing. But like I said, it's still not perfect. I think if you listen to it, you, you go like, that doesn't quite sound right. You know, at least the little clips that I listened to. Um, that said, it is, you know, uh, significantly better than than what had pre-existed uh, you know I, I suspect this stuff is going to continue to get better to the point where at some point unless you are really a distinctive voice um, uh, they will probably replace most you know paying professionals to read books for like things like you know audiobooks yeah. um, you know I think they probably will it's getting very close to that and quite frankly um, they have now, in two different occasions that I'm aware of in movies, used AI versions of real people's voices to do some narration because that person can't speak anymore. Um, yeah. And in fact, um, uh, they did it uh, in a documentary called Roadrunner about Anthony Bourdain. And he narrates the story. And they had, obviously, he had been doing you know his uh, food travel show for years. And so they had lots and lots of, you know, recordings of his voice saying right. most of the things they needed to say. But there were some things that they wanted him to say that he they didn't have a recording of. And he obviously is no longer with us. So they uh, you, they basically got an AI and trained it to, to be him. And so they used the AI then to fill in. And it was a little controversial because, you know, it was like that's not really his voice. But... You know, it's a little scary to make something because he has a very distinctive voice that people know because of his show. Um, yeah. And you go like, OK, now they're making him say things that he didn't really say, yeah. essentially, to narrate the show. And it wasn't like they were having him do anything awful, but they were demonstrating that this is, you know, you can't trust what you hear anymore. Much, you know, for a long time with the deep fakes, they said you can't trust what you see. Well, now you can't trust what you hear either, you know. Um, and then they did it in the Top Gun movie, too, for Val Kilmer, because Val Kilmer had throat cancer and he could no longer speak. And in the movie, he needed to speak. He, the character had cancer as well or had a throat issue. I don't know the specifics of how it was explained in the movie. I don't remember. I watched it, you know, when it first came out. But uh, in order for him to speak, they basically used a, um, an AI to fake his voice. They did that on a documentary that he put together about his life and about his battle with cancer. And so they developed the AI for that. And that's like, at least he's still alive so he can say, I approve, this is what I want to say. Use this, to, you know, computer to, to then speak it for me. 
Yeah. You know, and in that sense, I think it's wonderful for people who've lost their voice and lost the ability to speak to be able sure. to speak things and still sound like them yeah. is incredible. Um, but it does have some, um, I think there's some uh, both legal and ethical issues with, you know, having something speak for a person who's no longer with us without them being able to approve. And I assume that that with the Bourdain thing that his you know, whoever is in charge of his uh, estate had to approve that, you know? Yeah. Because you're literally putting words in someone's mouth who, yep. who's not here yep. and can't say that, you know? so. Well, speak, speaking of that, on I, I never remember shows, but I think mm-hmm. I, I think it was 60 Minutes I watched last night mm-hmm. <clears throat> that uh, had a segment on using AI, but in this case it was for artwork. They were creating new artworks. Did you see that show? Yeah, and that's been an issue, um, a big talk in the tech field as well about, you know. Rights rights to use that because there were some, you know, people that were losing their livelihood because of it. Right, because you could say, you could tell the AI do this in the style of, and now it's a brand new original artwork that looks like it was done by somebody. Yeah. You know, it's in their style. And and then the question is, who does own the rights to that? The AI is not a person, so it can't own the rights. Is it the person who who programmed the AI to do it? And when I say program, sometimes it's just you know write a sentence explaining what you want, and then the AI does it. Yeah. Um, so it's not really programming. You know, it's it's you know, is it the person who wrote the the AI? Whoever owns the AI, you know, because that's you know the, that software was written and owned by somebody. So do they own any of the works created by that AI? Um, yeah. the problem is the law hasn't caught up, <laughs> you know? Well, 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 there's another issue in the voice world that, uh, uh, I think is going to really come hit people in the face real quick. And that is, uh, taking the so-called evidence of the, uh, January 6th show, Trump had a lawyer that was taking every screenshot they had of him and, noting where the cut was made into the, the tape. And mm-hmm. since they didn't have the whole thing, the assumption was is that that, that was all that was important. Well, right. he set up a thing that's now on the uh, Internet that you can watch, and it takes it, here's where they cut this thing, and it just continues over on the right with what they said he didn't say. Right. You know? And, right. Yeah. And there were a bunch of them. They I mean, you know. they edited it and and made it sound like he was saying one thing and then if you listen to the unedited tape you go oh he completed yeah. his sentence there yeah. and or his thought and and so it was it has different meaning yeah and, and I mean and, and that's and, just simple editing that's a problem that has been in existence forever I mean you know since yeah. since printed word newspapers would would take quotes from people and yeah, they would here, take they would only quote the part of what you said that made the point they wanted to make not what it, you said. Yeah, and, but but here you're smearing a man's reputation. Oh yeah, it's incredibly you know? unethical. And it's just terribly wrong. Yeah, and and if it just says that, that nothing can come possibly come out of that that has any legal ramifications because of this, that's what they're they're just going to throw the whole shebang out. That's the, what they're trying to do. Yeah, and, I don't know and that further that, publication. I, I don't know that I would make that leap. I think what they would say is is that like in any kind any kind of court case, if any evidence is tainted, then they'll throw out that evidence and say, "Now, can you make can you still make your case without that piece of evidence that has been de- determined to be tainted?" And that's what, what judges and, and court cases are for. 
one specific example that comes to mind is is that Trump clearly uh, uh, denounced and uh, said they're not a part of the true patriotic movement if were the the uh, uh, people that the Democrats have actually accused him of siding with, mm. and they were a part of the the thing, and he totally refuted it, and they said he never did. Mm. They just it was just a hundred and eighty degrees out of phase, and I mean, it, this, it, yeah, it was well, really crazy, you know. You know, it's. Uh, Politics has always had an element of revisionist history going on, you know, regardless of which side you're on. The other side says you you did something that you maybe didn't or, or did or didn't say. And like I said, unfortunately, our news media, you know, now it's television and, and online, but previously in printed form, um, which obviously still exists, but in a much less important but being, way. Being politics, but being po- politics but, can't be an excuse for anything. That, well, no, I'm not be. saying I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's it's it, this is there's a long history of this, and so we should always, as a society, question the 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 news and the so-called proof that's presented to us, and say, you know, we need to see both sides of the story and let both sides speak. And if it has legal ramifications, that's what the court is for: is to look at both sides and determine what is and is not an accurate representation of, of evidence. And, you know, courts throw out evidence all the time because they go, well, wait a minute, that's not right. Or, you know, that picture has been doctored or, or you, you know, all you, you you crop the picture and you cut out the one guy who was standing there going, wait, stop, you know, um, (laughs) but we're talking about the same thing here. Right. You know, it's just, it's our whole society now that's, you know, we're Mm -hmm. all in danger. Yeah. At least the Trumps of the world have the money and the, resources to do something about it but the average citizen doesn't yeah well that's that's the truth of it isn't it i mean we really have created a society that has two different uh levels of fairness because because if you've got wealth you can afford to defend yourself in ways that the average person just can't that was Um, why on that 60 minute show they had this young artist who was a nobody i mean i'd never heard of her and i'd I don't know how many people have. <laughs> you say a nobody, and, and she's probably incredibly famous in the art world, but but a well, nobody to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. You know? that, that's right. But I, it, it, yeah. it, it, from her own voice and words that she was saying, uh, you know, I, 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 I can't do anything about this, and you guys are right. stealing my style. Right. My style yeah. was what made my reputation. Right, and and, and that's essentially the, the the truth in the art world. Right, is how you do something is what makes you different than everybody else. And if you can create a computer program that essentially just copies how you do things, yeah. then then they've completely undermined you. So yeah. the question is, is we you know what's the fair way to create laws that protects the artist? I'll um, tell you what, the lawmakers but, don't know. Well, they don't, and the problem is, is because society doesn't know. I mean, yeah. if if I decided to paint a painting or create a piece of art that was in the style of that artist, you know, I, I, as long as I don't sign her name to it, it's got my name on it. There's nothing stopping me from doing that, and there's no legal ramifications for it. So, you know, why should it be? Why should there be when when it's created via? You know, if my tool is a computer to do it, as opposed to my tool being, you know. Uh, a photograph or a, uh, or, you know, a brush and paint, you know? So, I mean, I see both sides of that. It's you just, see, that's it, why, that's why somehow I don't think artificial intelligence belongs in the creative world at all. 
I don't think there's any way to stop it. That genie's out of the bottle. I know. You know, I know. Pe- you know, people can program a computer to be creative and artistic. You know, because what we think of as these wonderful intuitions and, and somehow inspired artworks, you know, are I you know, are are can be broken down into what makes it unique and different and then copied. And it's been, you know, I mean, it's something you could copy. I could, you know, uh, or somebody with the right skill set could copy somebody else, you know. And again, as long as you don't try to pass it off as an original from the other person, then there's nothing wrong with it, you know. No, I mean, they'll make it nothing... an original from themselves. Right. They'll take the credit. <laughs> right. And, and that's absolutely, and right now, our laws are, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, in our laws as they exist. So Laws, laws are not morality. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying, you know, it's if if I choose to paint a painting and want it to look like a Picasso, I can paint a painting that looks like a Picasso. It's not a Picasso. I'm not putting Picasso's name on it, you know. And a lot of people would look at it and go, "Well, that's a piece of garbage." But, you know, others might go, "Wow, that looks just like a Picasso." I'm going to yeah. give you a million dollars for that painting. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't happening. But uh, you know, uh <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's a difficult thing, you know, as somebody who has worked in creative endeavors, I understand, you know, you want to protect your work, but, you know, you you can't get too upset when somebody else says, well, I'm going to do something that's very similar, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, you can't, you just go like, okay, well, you're doing your thing. I'm doing my thing. You know, it'd be nice if you did something more original, but okay. You know, and and especially and this has been true of art for years and years is when you're teaching it to somebody, if you're teaching art to somebody, they spend time copying, you know, not literally copying the exact thing, but trying to do things in the style of Of somebody. somebody. And that's been going on forever. That's how you learn. You see how, you know, how you look at some of the best who do whatever it is that they do, you know, and you go, well, I'm going to try to do something like that. And so you try to learn the skill set by by essentially copying that person's style. Um, You know, I mean, and in fact, you know, back in Da Vinci's day, that's the the students who studied under the master literally did that. They would paint the the master's painting over again. In fact, there's been a lot of difficulty at times in the art world trying to figure out whether it was was, the teacher or the student, right? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Because, you know, the student might have been doing that painting and then, uh, you know, Da Vinci did one and it's, you know, you don't know. You know, and things weren't always signed even. So, you know, then then what do you do? You know, it's it's um, I I think it boils down to you like it or not. Who cares whose names on it? But, you know, in the art world, that's a big deal because there's lots of money involved as opposed to, you know, do you just aesthetically appreciate what's in front of you? Yeah. That, in fact, it's basically the backbone of a certain investment strategies for oh. wealth, wealthy because of inflation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, if you have invested in a very expensive painting and then later on it's proven to be, you know, done by you somebody are- other than the person you thought it was, the value of that can go from, from millions of dollars down to nothing. Yeah. So you are aware now that there's uh, several companies, one, one outfit started it where you can buy shares. And so you, sh- you share in the purchase of artwork that's been picked as really important stuff and right. their their gains uh, their ads now say they made 30 percent annually over mm-hmm. the last three years yeah you know at least one company that i'm aware of yeah uh, so that's that's pretty impressive you it know, is highly highly of, risky though yeah you know 
but but yeah, you know, I mean, there's you can invest in all kinds of things. To, you know, if you buy something low and think you can sell it high, then hey, go for it. You know, yep. if you've got a market. But uh, anywho, um, I think that the uh, you know it's not surprising that the the audio narration, computer narration, or digital voices um, are improving. That's not a surprise, and they're going mm. to continue to get better. And I think that if if not already at that point, they will probably uh, shortly be impacting on the voice actors who do audiobook type of recordings. Um, Wait. Wait till they got. Uh, wait till they get the books that'll create uh, a mystery. Uh, oh yeah, bestseller. Will you get the, some j- AI created? And, yeah, AI created book and then a- AI narrated. Right, so there's not a yeah. human involved with any of it. Right. Um, to be honest, I suspect they already do that, especially for a lot of those. Um, you know what they used to call dime store novels. Yeah. You know those ba- the basic. Uh, I mean, watch the Hallmark Channel. Those stories are all the same stories. It's it's yeah. real easy to you know. It's like. Uh, it, it doesn't take a genius to write one of those. There's nothing convoluted about the plot, you know. It's like two people meet. They kind of like each other. There's a horrible misunderstanding. They hate each other. Then they resolve <laughs> the, the, the misunderstanding and fall in love. End of story. Fade to black. You know, that's yeah. the story on every single one of them. Um, and so, you know, the details are different, but but that's the, the guts of the story. That's not hard for you know an AI to write. They've already got AIs that are doing that. In fact, um, I've uh, talked to some teachers who are concerned, especially English teachers who who give writing assignments, that uh, there are AIs online that students will now go to and say, you know, write me a story about, and it'll come back and give you a thousand words, or you can tell it how long. Uh, you know, I need a thousand words or two thousand words uh, on this, and it'll write the paper for you. And and if you type that in 10 times, it'll write 10 different papers. They're all unique because it's an AI doing it, you know, and it's picking up stuff off off um, the Internet to teach yep. itself. You know, to go back briefly to the um, the the book narration, um, you know, or the art thing, uh, there are AIs that are doing that art like we talked about. One of the big issues is, you know, if I'm an artist and I have a website showing people my art – is it fair and legal for the AI to scan the internet, scan in all of my art and use that as source material to teach the AI? Because now it can do my style because it's. Yep. That's probably not. You know, because. That, that, that in I, fact, is what I, they were complaining about. Right. 60 minute show. Right. You know, it's like, wait a minute. I, as an artist, did not give you rights to use my art to train your computer. So you doing that is a violation of the, you know, the use of my art. And there, I think the artists have a very strong leg to stand on. Yep. You know, the problem is, is how do you prove that they scan, you know, how, how do you prove that they went to your website and looked at your art other than saying, hey, this art that they're drawing is incredibly similar to mine? Yeah. You know? And because... with the communications that we have in the world today and you, you figure out how many artists there are. There's probably some real similarity if you just did a comparison of oh yeah lots of artists you know yeah yeah I mean you you know they have art shows where you can go buy art to put on your walls and stuff on the weekends you can go to it and there's tons and tons of you know I don't want to say amateur because they're selling their art but they're you know very affordable pieces of original art they're mm-hmm. all very similar and in fact some 
artists even paint the exact same thing multiple times because it's popular. You know, so if they find a seascape that they that people like, they'll just paint it multiple times and sell it. You know, and each one's a little different because they're all hand painted. But, um, you know, again, that's the artist's choice. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at something right now that says Apple has a wonderful lie detector. It's called Air Tags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, about where you've been anyway, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, but it's it's all kinds of um, moral and ethical things that we as a society need to figure out. You know, I think we need to start asking the question, because we can, should we? And we don't ask that enough. I think that's part of the problem with the use of, you know, these pocket computers that we have that we call phones now, um, mm -hmm. is because we have them, should we use them all the time? Should I mean it's? I think that we're we're doing a damage to our society with a whole generation of people growing up with these things, you well, know. They don't. Being they don't the, know how to. Yeah, they don't know how to communicate and socialize because they've. Yeah. Except through a text message, you know. Yeah, and and you know my evidence working with with students and stuff at the high school age is that's not true. They they know how to communicate and socialize just fine, but the. Um, uh, there is a sense of, I think, society, especially the younger kids who have grown up with these things, being less empathetic towards people when they're talking to them. Because yeah. when, you, when you're texting to a, you know, yeah, uns you don't, unseen you don't, human you, being, you don't you tend to... You miss the emotional side of it. Right, yeah. And, and so that's <clears throat> a little bit more difficult. And I think that they struggle with that a little bit in terms of being able to both read and 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 empathize with other people's emotions and reading and understanding their own emotions for to, to some extent um, you know I, I don't I'm not one who beats up on the the you know oh this generation doesn't understand because they're doing XYZ I don't buy that I think you know they're human beings and they still integrate into society but we got to look at at how using that tech is affecting society I mean if I was raising a kid today, and I, I would absolutely have a basket by the front door, and I would say, at this time of night, everybody puts their, or you know, in the evening, or everybody puts their phones in the basket. And we don't, or you know, or, and and put them on the charger, but they go in the basket, and and you don't pick them up again until the next day when we, when you're ready to go about your day. You know, you don't need these things in front of you all the time. And you can read a book, you can sit with the family and watch television. We can go play a game. We can, you know, but but. Everybody sitting in a room not talking to each other because we're all looking at our devices is not, um, uh, I think, a healthy thing. And that's absolutely where we stand as a society right now for the vast majority of people, at least at least the first world countries, you know. Um, yeah. You know, you, and I know that's not a, a popular <clears throat> turn of phrase to say first world and third world and blah, blah, blah. But but um, the new caste system. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Apple is said to be releasing a reality pro mixed reality headset in the spring. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, yay, I guess I, I'm wondering, this isn't going to be like the phone where everybody's going to be walking around with one of these things on their faces, at least not anytime soon. Uh -huh. This thing looks like a ski mask. And so. You know, what is the niche that that's going to fit into and how is that going to work 
remains to be seen. I've seen well, several different things talking about the price anywhere from $2,000 to $3,000 for one of these things. So yeah. cl clearly it's not something you and I are going to be buying and saying, hey, let's walk around the house with this headset on. No, that, the, these first ones will come out, will, will be very expensive because they're basically mm -hmm. trying to find niche markets where yeah. these are really effective. Yeah. And so companies that think they have some uh, potential applications, you know, they'll, they'll spend the $3,000. Yeah. You know, well, I wonder, too, if that's a, um, you know, like when, when Apple went to uh, Apple Silicon, they had provided to developers for X amount of money a Apple developer kit. And it was a, you know, a pre-release Silic Apple Silicon device that sort mm -hmm. of looked like a Mac Mini, but it was, you know, had real early pre-release type of hardware that they could practice on and write software to. And I suspect that the early one of these is going to be the same way, which is it's essentially it's available to developers for a fee. And Apple, uh, you know, when you when you got that thing, you weren't buying it. You were paying them money to have early access to it. And when they then when they released actual uh, Apple Silicon based computers, you had to return it. And then they gave you credit for whatever it was. I think they, it was, you know, 500 bucks or something like that. They had a developer had to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, they gave you then that $500 credit towards buying the actual released computer, but you had to return it. They, oh. they wanted it back. It wasn't something, it was not a commercial product. It was designed specifically for developers to write software to so that, that you know, we'd, they would have stuff out when the new, new devices were released. And especially for something like this, that's so new and so different than anything else they have. I can't imagine that they wouldn't have a, uh, well, they want it for their museum. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious in that regard because I was worked for MITS way back in the early days, and I had one of the very earliest serial numbers. I think it was serial number two. Right. And they asked me for it back uh, in a kind way, and and they weren't sure they were going to get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I complied. I said, well, you know, yeah, I'm just I got it from you because I was trying to help you all get. You know, yeah, yeah. It was you were using it as a development kit, right? Yeah, I remember it sitting in the living room. Um, yep. Yeah, but these apples, I mean, the, the the you know Apple's developer kit. I mean, they sent out thousands of those. It wasn't like there was one or two early yeah. serial numbered ones. There were, you know, um, I mean, I'm sure they'll keep a few of them, but they probably, knowing Apple, probably don't put any like a developer kit stuff in their museum anyway. They might put the first, you know, Mac Mini or the first, you know, iMac or whatever. But yeah. uh, um, but uh, they're not going to put the first Apple developer kit for a you know for M1 chips or whatever. Um, but uh, you know it's it's uh, yeah at that price you know I, it's got to be they've got to have some some idea of like commercial plans for it sort of like you know thus far I've read that like the smart glasses that Google made. You know, they tried doing it as a as a retail type product, and it basically flopped there. But then it found a niche, you know, in like doing inventory in warehouses and stuff because it would, you know, overlay, you know, what you were seeing with like where it's located in the warehouse, so that you could see it lit up and walk right to it. That kind of yeah. stuff, saving lots of time in terms of trying to find things in a warehouse and and that. You know, I so I mean those kinds of applications where it it uh, you know fits a niche and it's a business type of thing where where that price is not considered outrageous. Yeah, um, I wouldn't think you'd want to have be walking around with these things on. No, 
you know, if they ever get it down to, you know, hidden in a pair of regular-looking glasses, then you might. And there's a fair number of companies that are doing things with, you know, that have regular-looking glasses. So, so that yeah. techn technology is coming along, um, you know. But regular-looking glasses don't have a whole lot of space to put batteries and stuff into. All of them that I've seen put them in the uh, in the little arms that go back over your ears on glasses. And they make those look about four times larger than they do on regular glasses. So they always, you look at them and you go, what's wrong with those? Why are those things so fat? Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, they don't look quite right. You know. The other thing is that uh, you, you, you're, because of the previous experience of the Google glasses and other things like that, mm -hmm. uh, somebody, if you're out there walking around with these things on, somebody's going to say, ah, oh, he's got a camera in there and he's taking pictures of me. You know? Yeah. And and, uh, yeah. you know, talk about social you do issues. Or not, I still think yeah. there's an issue with social issues that, that it doesn't get talked about enough. And that's, you know, people walking into bathrooms with their phone out, you know, uh, to me. And, right. and when I used to teach photography, I said, you know, when you have a camera with you, you put it away before you go in a bathroom, you put away your phone when you go in a bathroom, cause it's a camera, you, you know, public bathrooms, you don't walk in with cameras. You just don't do it. You know, that's, that's yeah. a no, no. Um, and that seems to have, you know, kind of slipped by the wayside too. Cause I see people, you know, at the movie theater and stuff, walking into the bathroom with their phone and, you know, I don't know if they're holding it up, shooting video or what they're doing. Um, you know, and, yep. and so, you know, and, and in women's restrooms, you know, they, they're essentially all stalls with doors, guys standing, you know, in a, in a row against a wall in a lot of <laughs> cases. So it's a different setup. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I've seen lots of people who refuse to use that. They go into one of the stalls, and it probably makes sense. Frankly, yeah. we should probably re-architect our bathrooms so that everybody has a piece of, you know, a little space of privacy. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Socially, we've got a lot of growing to do to deal with some of the, the technological changes that we have already made and, 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 yet, and, and stuff that we see on the horizon, and we just seem to be really, really dragging our feet and waiting. We wait till there's lots of problems and then we try to fix them as opposed to seeing them coming and maybe making some changes. Yeah. You know, if I was an architect or a, or a architectural engineer, I would be looking to build places that starts to start to anticipate some of this stuff, <laughs> you know? So oh. anyway, so, uh, it's interesting. Uh, there was an article out that said that uh, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo said that the um, fourth generation iPhone SE has been canceled or will be delayed because that was supposed to be the first Apple device that used their in-house developed 5G modem instead of the licensed modem from Qualcomm. And apparently Apple doesn't have that modem working to their satisfaction yet. And so they've decided that they're going to cancel that phone and and re-architect instead of delaying it is what was coming out of his his uh This is the fifteen, right? Uh this is the S E version three. It's the S E phone. Oh, oh I, I saw that about it. Right. Yeah. And so they're saying I... that Apple has canceled that because it was going to be the test platform for their in house developed uh modem. And that that modem is not working correctly. So rather than, you know, postponing it or swapping out their modem for the Qualcomm modem, uh, 
that they're saying he's saying that Apple has just decided to cancel that phone, and they will, um, you know, rethink it with uh, uh, what was going to be the SE4 will now be the SE3, and it'll be further down the line. And so I don't know what to think about that. You know, it's, you know, Intel got out of the modem business because they were unable to keep up with Qualcomm and Apple then bought Intel's modem division and they haven't yet produced a product. So apparently making modems for phones is really, really hard. And the only people who know how to do it are all work at Qualcomm. Yeah. You know, Right. Which, which, and, and Apple's, you know, very. It's been a long time coming, too. Right. Well, and the, yeah, they, that was like five years ago when Apple bought the Intel division, and they had been trying to work with Intel on it for five years prior to that. And here we are still using Qualcomm modems. If you remember, I think it was uh, the iPhone 5 or 6, somewhere in there, where uh, Apple had done half of their phones had Qualcomm modems and half of them had Intel modems. And they uh, were actually. Uh, get, catching a lot of flack, and I think Qualcomm actually sued them over the fact that the the phones that had Qualcomm modems were being throttled back because they were uh, faster than the ones that had Intel modems. And Apple basically said, "Well, our spec was they only had to be this fast, and we don't want people, you know, trying to figure out which modem is in their phone and swapping phones." And so we just slowed down the Qualcomm one so that they're both the same. Uh because the Qualcomm one exceeded the spec that Apple said they needed for data throughput. And, uh, and Qualcomm basically sued them, saying, hey, you're, you're trying to pass our, our higher-quality modem off as, as this lower-quality Intel modem, and that's not the case. And you're, you're, as such, then making us look bad in the marketplace. And, uh, and that was a big stink. You know? I mean, they've, they've, Apple and Qualcomm have gone back and forth, not been particularly friendly for a lot of years. I'm surprised Did you see the that Apple app? didn't just buy Qualcomm. They clearly have all the the trademarks yeah. and the <clears throat> technology to do this right. You know, yep. they should have made a move on Qualcomm, except that it would have been a really expensive move, but it's not like they didn't have the ability to do that. They're significant. I'm sure they've tried, but they probably Qualcomm knew that they're yeah. the only game in town, so the price is really high. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, Apple had sued Qualcomm because Qualcomm said, uh, if you use our modems, you have to pay us a percentage of every phone you sell, even if the phone you sell, some of the phones you sell don't have Qualcomm modems. Our licensing yeah. is based on, on how many you sell. And Apple, you know, countersued, and I think Apple ended up losing that one. And so that's part of the reason Apple went back and settled with Qualcomm was like, okay, We'll start uh, using your devices again because these Intel ones aren't working, and, and now they're Apple ones, and they're still not working. So I don't know. I was going to say I saw some Google phone ads here recently. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're advertising it as a camera. They don't even mention a phone. But, but apparently they think their cameras can compete with the other stuff that's out there. And, yeah. Uh, no, they've so. been uh, – since they switched to the Pixel phones, I think they're on Pixel 7 now. Um, the quality of the images in those are comparable to the best uh, Apple and Samsung ones, and in, in some cases, people consider them better. They do have a different take on it than the way uh, Apple and Samsung, or Apple anyway, tends to do things. Apple does everything on phone. Uh, the the Google phones, you take the picture, but a lot of the processing for the image takes place in the cloud, and then the picture shows up in your in your Google Photos app. 
But when you look at it in Google Photos, that's not the picture that was taken by the camera and the processing was done in the cloud, um, which is, you know, just that's Google's way of doing things. That's not terribly surprising. But uh, it does beg the question, if I'm somewhere where I don't have Internet connectivity and I take a picture, what's that picture look like? Or does it just sit in a queue and I don't get to see it until I get back to where I have Internet connectivity? <laughs> you know, and I've never heard anybody answer that question is, you know, with a Google phone. Yeah. You know, and it's not it shouldn't be that hard to test, right? You can turn off Wi-Fi, put it in airplane mode, take some pictures and see what happens. Right. Yeah. But uh, but a lot of what Google does with photo manipulation is done in the cloud as opposed to um, you know, well, that, on that, on device. That, that's but that, where you can get a lot of cheap horsepower, right? Right. And that's their expertise is the cloud. So, you know, I mean, I totally get it. It's just a different way of of architecting the system but uh you know it does have some ups and downs in terms of you know usability mm -hmm. you know i mean if you're you know out in the woods somewhere in a national park taking pictures you probably don't have wi-fi connectivity um but then again you know are you really spending a lot of time appreciating your photos while you're out in the woods you're probably appreciating the woods and take a look at the photos when you get back to the hotel later right. so in that case, who cares, right? Right. It's just, just don't expect your picture on time. I, I don't right. know what you do as a as a filler until it's done. You could give them some cheap one that, with an obvious label, temporary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I suspect that they take a picture and they put a thumbnail up immediately. And then yeah. the picture looks better if you want to see the full res photo. You know, it takes a few minutes or seconds or whatever for that to get processed and sent back to you. Yep. And so, um, you know, you, when you take the picture with the phone, it probably, you immediately see a photo. It just may not look as sharp and color corrected and everything as it as it could or as it will eventually, I should say. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, good question. I, You know, when, it, when they had the Google Pixel 3, I, and I, I think I've talked about this before, I bought one. And I used it for a month and then resold it. And I had the Google Pixel 3 with a uh, Samsung smartwatch and the Google Pixel Buds as my earbuds. And um, over the course of the month, I was able, well, when I set up the phone, it basically had uh, almost it, it, all of the apps that I had on my iPhone that I used on a regular basis were available in the Android store or the, the Google Play store. And so I downloaded those. For the few that weren't there, I... Um, I found some reasonable replacements, and so, you know, I had all my functionality that I wanted with my apps. Um, the biggest thing that I found that was a difference for me was the keyboard was much harder for me to type on. It would, did not have the same um, recognition of what I was trying to type as the Apple phone did, and that was, the ironically, the thing that... that uh, I was off the radar for me, but when I actually was using it, it was the biggest thing to get used to was typing on a keyboard that behaved differently. But once I got uh -huh. the hang of that, by the end of the month, I was fine with that. So, you know, as somebody who's very much in the Apple ecosystem, I, you know, I have used the, I have lived, <laughs> I lived a month walking in the other guy's shoes and they were fine. I, I understand yeah. why people say they like that. You know, the, those devices are you know, available in much cheaper versions and, and equally expensive versions as the Apple phones. Um, you know, now since then, Apple has added 
continuity and universal cut and paste so that I can, you know, cut something, copy something off of my phone, go to my computer and paste it in, and it works seamlessly. And those are kind of things that Android didn't do. Um, and I know Android and Windows have tried to do some things to make them work more like that. But, you know, when you get multiple companies and multiple device manufacturers involved, things just don't work as well as they do when, when one company runs it all. Um, yeah. You know, so I would probably find the change, if I were to go do it again, um, you know, a little bit more jarring because they are things that it, they can't do that I find in the, in the, you know, ecosystem on the Mac I will say, too, that in the intervening years, I have kind of switched from using Spotify to using Apple Music. Mm -hmm. And Apple Music's available over there, but as I understand it, it doesn't work as well. No surprise. And that uh, I'm better off, you know, switch. If, if I were using Spotify, it's easier to switch from one platform to another. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, if that's where you're at, I don't see if I guess what I'm saying is if if I were using an Android device, I there's not a a major significant reason to force me to want to move to a an Apple device and vice versa. Um, the biggest one that I've seen for from some people is um, I've noticed that school age kids tend to if they're on Android devices, a lot of them want to switch to to Apple devices, iOS devices because. Uh, that seems to be the prominent uh, device used by high school age kids is mostly Apple devices. And if you're doing group messages, iMessage does not work friendly with Android uh, phones. And so what happens is you'll send a group message out to everybody and the person who has the Android phone will get the first message. But then subsequent messages sent back to that group don't always go to everybody. They'll go to everybody on iMessage but not to yeah. everybody else. And so you end up feeling isolated from your group of friends because you can't communicate. Uh, and uh, now if you use it, if they end up using something other than <clears throat> I, I message and texting, then, you know, those are cross platform, but, uh, and which kind of goes to that uh, stuff that was, that came out with the uh, Apple um, lawsuit, right? Where they had said, they talked about making I message cross platform and said, but you know, that's a major advantage to us. Why would we want to share it? Yeah. And it's, you know, that makes sense. You know, it's a lock-in thing. Yep. So, so I understand the business reason for doing that. Because I think when they introduced iMessage, didn't they say that it was going to be available on other platforms at one point, and then they decided not to do it? I'm pretty sure that was I, announced. I, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. But, you know, when it comes to communications, that's where standards are absolutely essential, though, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. In order to avoid getting the customers into some bad situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Google came up with a, a rich text messaging standard format, and they've been basically nagging and publicly flogging Apple for not supporting it. And Apple's response has been, we haven't seen that our users have requested it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. So they've kind of gone, yeah, fine. Yeah, you have a standard yep. for you, but... We have a standard for us, and you can't you can't play in our playground. So, right. yeah. Oops, yeah. knock something on the floor. So, well, you you, you kind of make a choice yourself whether you're what world you're in, you know. Yeah. If you, if you can't afford the Apple stuff, you yeah you got the other, you know. Right. Well, <laughs> and to be honest, the uh, both sides make an app. 
that migrates all your stuff. <laughs> so so switching from <laughs> one to the other isn't that hard. Um, you know, it's just expensive, you know, because yeah. if you switch, realistically, it's better to switch not just your, your phone, but, you know, your your laptop and or tablets and stuff as well. And I will say that's one thing that in the Android world, they are sorely behind in tablets. There aren't any tablets over there that compare. Um, I've, I've looked at several of them, and, I, and the most prominent is the uh, Amazon Fire tablets. And I've got a couple of those. Um, one that I got just because I wanted to look at it, and another one because uh, my wife uses it to play music in her classroom, and she needed something that she could put music on that was, you know, I didn't want to give her an iPad that costs a lot of money that might disappear because it's in a school environment and so uh we got like a on sale $35 fire tablet and uh and a Spotify account and so she plays her music and uh through a little bluetooth speaker in her classroom uh, you know and we can download a new playlist every so often so if she wants to change it up or you know play christmas music or something we can do that um so you know i i keep a toe in that world and they just don't work as well. The OS yeah. just doesn't work as well. It's not as smooth. It's not as intuitive. It feels like you're using something that was sort of halfway, you know, like the like the developers developed it well enough to work and said, okay, that's good enough, and they stopped, <laughs> and they never went back to the to the little things about just how the, the feels when you're like trying to launch things and and do things on the device. So. And that's kind of the sense that I got, honestly, when I was using the Pixel phones, too, is like the keyboard just didn't feel as nice when I was typing on it. The, you know, the, the, the target area for each letter was different, and it didn't quite feel intuitive as it did on the Apple devices. It's like all those little, you know, uh, detailed type things that, you know, well, do, functionally, can they both do this? Can they both run a calculator app? Can they? Yeah, they can. But using it is much less pleasant. And it's really hard yeah. to put your finger on what specifically is it that makes this one more pleasant than that one. But Apple has figured out what that is, and they do it, and the other guys don't spend the time doing that. Yeah. You know? Yep. In well, a lot of ways. It's uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've been off in a sort of totally different world of technology here lately. There's a lot of uh, uh, Little apps, I'd say mostly for guitarists, but there's a few piano ones that show up uh, that allow you to do some basic things. Uh, play music so you can sing along. Uh, right. And, uh, Apple karaoke's out there now. Have you tried that? Doesn't work on any of my devices. Oh, you've got old stuff. You've got a brand new laptop. It'll work on that. It will? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I, wait a minute. You've got a brand new laptop. <laughs> do I have to download a, an app called Apple Karaoke or something? No, it's Apple Music. It, it's the red icon with the uh, two notes on it. Just regular Apple Music on my on my uh, thing. Yeah. And and what? Why do I? How do I use the new feature? I That's don't just, know. Um, here, let me bring it up. I'm I'm looking at it right here. So. Me, and it's only uh, certain songs, right? So, uh, yeah, there are certain songs, but it's it's a large number of them. So let me see if I can do this one. It's 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 all the stuff the young oh, teeny oh, boppers oh. buy. No, first of all, teeny boppers isn't a word that's been used since 1950. 
but uh, <laughs> um, but no, it's They're not. They're all grown up now. It's, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Teeny boppers are, are your age. Um, well, I go through this stuff, and I go back uh-huh. and look into the '60s and the '70s and '80s. That's where my music is. <laughs> I don't yeah. even listen to stuff that shows twenty. Yeah, and, and well, but I think you've gone and looked and seen. You know, you tried to say one point, it's like they don't have anything that I want there, and then when you actually decided to go look at it, you found out like, oh yeah, they do. They've got over, you know, hundreds of thousands of songs on these on these things now, and just about anything that's been recorded is now available for streaming. Even some stuff that you would think wouldn't be particularly well known or popular. Okay, sing um, along. Is if I say that, sing along. I don't know. I'm trying to search for something and something happened. Ah, now I got a wheel turning. That's never going to stop. I hate that. I'm going to press escape, escape, escape. That doesn't work even. I'm hung up. Well, I'm out of music because all it wants to do is spin wheels and make life miserable for me. Don't you hate that? Yeah, I, I don't spinning I, wheels. I don't know what you did that made your well, I made a misspelling in the search bar, and I went to try back and fix it. And whatever happened, it got, got over into the color wheel going, and that's it. I'm not going to wait on it because those, those have interminable times, you know. Yeah. Who knows? What, what so forget Apple Music. We could, I'll try that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what well, to say. But, yeah, it's it's just built into the music app, so that's where you have to figure it out. Okay, I'll uh, I'll dig into that then later and see if, what I can do. But anyway, I I've learned a lot about music in the process even though I've been in music most of my life. Oh, here suddenly music popped up lately that found some category. <laughs> anyway, I don't think I want to spend the time on it right now. Uh I I, I was searching for sing along S I N G a A A L O N G sing along ensemble songs. It actually came up with one or more. Sing along essentials. Music pop. Crowd pleasers. Road to sing along songs. The playlist. Okay, so um Apple Music Sing allows you to do karaoke on iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. Um, and you have to have the later, later versions of those things. So apparently it doesn't work on the Mac. And so, no, you can't do it there. You need an iPhone 11 or greater. You don't have an iPad Pro third generation or iPad Air fourth generation or letter, later. Um, and I don't know if, I don't think yours is, your iPad Pro is like a second generation, not a third generation. Uh, or the brand new 2022 Apple TV 4K. So, yeah, you're right. You don't have the right devices to do it. Well, that's the reason, one of the reasons I was going to go get the 4K, but then I finally mm-hmm. decided that uh, that's not as important to me as the uh, ATSC 3.0. Uh, and uh, ATS, anyway, I've been too big. A- ATSC 3.0? Yeah. Explain what that is. Okay, that's the new standard for over-the-air broadcasts that gives you uh, not necessarily 4K in all places. So that's that's still an issue, but it's uh, it, it's a high-fidelity high, high fidelity, uh, HD, uh, 
quality. Uh, I don't know what right. I, all the. I don't have it's it brand, brand me. It's branded as next gen TV. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted you to explain what it was because a lot of people aren't going to know what ATSC 3.0 is. It stands yeah. for Advanced Television Systems Committee, but it's it is the over the air standard that is available on five channels in the in the Charlotte area. Unfortunately, in Los Angeles, it's not available at all. So it does yeah. mean no good. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you need a uh, a special antenna for and it, a, right? And a receiver. And a receiver. It's not so the ATSC receiver is not built into the television. That is in my case. I've got the receiver. Okay. All I got. All I have to do is get the antenna into it. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh. So so because you've got a a, <laughs> a new TV, you've got that standard already built into yours. But a lot of people would have to. Um, Buy a separate little uh, receiver box to get the AC AT, the next gen TV box is what you want, right? You know, and and then and then the antenna as well. So, so and just as an FYI, those boxes sell for about two hundred bucks. Yep. So yeah. if you're if you're thinking about a TV, uh, I don't know how uh, how uh, long that that feature has been featured. On, new TVs, but you might, if you're, if you're making that a requirement, you probably spend more for your TV. Like I spent $2,200 yeah. for mine. Right. Yeah. No, that's, I'm pretty sure that's a very new standard. That's, that's just out the door. Um, so, so you probably can't get a $300 TV and have, you know, built in. They're, they're trying to get rid of those TVs because nobody wants them anymore. <laughs> yeah. But well, you can that, buy TVs. I, I think that's, that's, Probably an overstatement. I think most people are not buying TVs with the idea that they want to get the the uh, next gen TV. Right. You know yeah. that's not a it's not a requirement for buying a new TV right now. In fact, most people I think already have a TV source, whether it be streaming or cable or satellite or whatever, and so they're quite honestly looking for the cheapest big TV they can find. So they figure out. Most people I think say, "What size TV fits in my space?" And then now, what's the cheapest one I can get that fits that space? That's that's probably the <laughs> the depth of their of of the thought process for most people, um, you know. Yeah, doesn't mean it's well, necessarily the the best way to make the decision, but that's probably largely what it is. I I, I pretty much future proof mine, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and I we, got it on sale, and yeah. Well, you figure that you know it's 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 a large purchase for most people. And so you're not going to be replacing it soon, so you want the most flexibility that you can get. Although that said, these days, because of um, mm -hmm. the HDMI inputs, you can, you know, create any source you want. Whether, you know, I mean, later on you can spend some money and get a different input source, whether it be next-gen TV over the air or, or you know, satellite or cable or or a different streaming box. I mean, that stuff's all available, and you can attach it and run whatever you want. So the only thing you can't replace is the actual screen itself. And so, you know, rather than buying the biggest TV that you can get as cheaply as possible that fits your space, you might consider saying, well, I want the best-looking big TV that fits my space. But the difference can be sometimes thousands of dollars, depending on what yeah. you really want. Because you went and got, as you said, it was a couple, a couple thousand dollar TV, but it's a uh, uh, an OLED, a large OLED TV, uh, and right now that's sort of the state of the art. Right. You know. 
So, uh, but I figure TVs, you know, my last one was 11 years old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's not, again, it's a big purchase, but it's not something you purchase every year, right? You know, you don't replace them. The problem is, is, you know, it used to be you didn't replace them until they died. Now you go, well, has the technology moved forward enough that I need to replace it? And then what do you do with the big TV you got left over, right? Right. <laughs> you, end, you end up with these big TVs sitting in bedrooms going like, why do I need this giant TV in a bedroom? <laughs> but, but, you know, it's because it used to be in the living room and we got to put it somewhere. There's well, not a real market for My grandsons for were over the other night and they wonder, no, how do I get that thing to work? <laughs> oh, the, the, the new one or the old one? No, the old one. They were ah. in the bedroom, that yeah. bedroom, you know? Yeah. So I yeah. showed them what controllers yeah. went with it and how, to, how to turn that one on right they were off and running yep yep anyway i went through this uh album that i found with it said 90s with this uh, uh capability so you sing along right and, and uh on the album i didn't know anybody but billy ray cyrus mm -hmm. and uh uh share yeah. Well, see, the th that's, are... that's it. There has always been some karaoke albums that were available via streaming. The thing is, is that, you know, that's a very limited pick. The idea with this new thing is that Apple will let you take uh, thousands of songs directly from the library that weren't necessarily set up for streaming or for karaoke initially, but they've yeah. got the lyrics to it and they've now synced the lyrics with the song. And they've then given you a basically a sliding lever to adjust the the sound or the level of the lead singer. So you can then take the lead singer basically down to nothing so that you can then sing the song. Or yeah. leave them in there so you kind of have a guide vocal. Anyway, there's a bunch more I, I come up on now. Yeah. Celine Dion, uh, Leanne Rimes, uh, Mariah Carey, right. Madonna. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, they've always, you know, had uh, karaoke's always been largely based on the hits right so you know look at top 40 hits over the years it and it doesn't really matter what year you know you, or or decade you can pick a decade or a year and there'll be karaoke versions of the hits from that year yeah you know it's hard to sing there aren't very many karaoke songs for some guys you know fourth song on on side b you know <laughs> i mean it, <laughs> there aren't it just it's it, who who wants to stand up and sing that in front of a bunch of strangers but uh but, uh, yeah, the new thing, I've played with it just a little bit just to see what it was like on uh, my iPad. And, uh, um, you know, it, I mean, it's it, if you want to do karaoke, it's fine. If that's, you know, something fun that you and your friends do when you get together or at a party or something, it's neat to have it. You don't have to buy a separate karaoke machine and then buy karaoke tapes or karaoke CDs or, you know, download special versions of the songs that have the voices removed because it's all built in. And yeah. so, you know, and it's not some weird re-recording of the song by a different band, and it sort of sounds similar. That's the other thing is a lot of karaoke wasn't the original recordings, whereas this is the actual original recording done right. by the artist. It's what you're used to hearing, well, it's, you know. It's it's the backing music that's really important because some right. of these songs, especially like a Garth Brooks, you know, he's got some phenomenal back backup music on his songs. Sure, but that's what I'm saying is historically a lot of the karaoke wasn't original recordings they didn't like take the recording and just you know 
put it out without the vocal on it. What right. they what they would do is they would bring in some people in the studio and they would record the song again. And so the arrangement is different. <laughs> and so so when you go to sing with it, it's like it's close, but it doesn't sound right. Yeah, you know. So this new the new uh, solution is is you you are singing exactly, you know the the released version. Right. So. Um, so we had another article on here that talks about people having issues with iOS 16. Now, did you up, you upgraded iOS 16, I assume when it came out? I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I did too. I, I usually upgrade immediately. And then I, um, talk to my daughters and my wife and let them know when I think it's air quotes here, safe to upgrade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> it's, Unfortunate, you know, it used to be, remember, we used to laugh about Windows when we were in the Windows world, that Windows would put out version one of something, and then version two would fix a lot of the bugs, and version three would actually be stable. So you just wait till version right. three before you do anything. That's, that's right. It's yeah. sort of starting to get that way with, with uh, Apple in, in now, in that, you know, some of their first releases, because uh-huh. they're hitting the deadline, come out, and there's a lot of problems, and then they quickly chase it with bug fixes. Um. And then the other thing that they've done is in recent years, they've pretty much said like the, um, you know, the major point upgrades. So 6.1, 6.2, 6.3 adds features that they said would be in the operating system, but they just don't put them in when they first release it. So you get the base operating system initially, and then the features that they promised will come out in subsequent right. point upgrades. Yeah. But then the, the second level point, so like 6.1.1 or 16.0.1, mm-hmm. those are the bug fixes, and those seem to come fast and furious after after initial releases these days. Um, on mine, I've noticed uh, just some, some things seem a little slower than they were, and the battery life is not great on my phone. Um, but the biggest issue for me was HomeKit. They promised a new architecture for HomeKit with iOS 16 that was supposed to... Um, uh, or I guess it was 16. Go to a whole new design, 16. right? Right, yeah. So what they were supposed to do was, it, you know, every time you go to HomeKit right now or in the initial design of HomeKit, the device you were on would then scan all of the devices that were in range. And and then uh, once it scanned them to find out their status, it would update the screen and then you could control them. The problem was is that the more and more smart things that you get, the longer that scan took, and the more and more you would get device not responding because it, the, before it could get to the device, the device the, the, the call would time out before it could get through all the devices. And so wow. it, was, it was really irritating to see, like, you know, some of the, the, the device you want to control, it comes back and says device not responding. And you're like, it's right there in the room. Why is it not? Why can't you control that? Mm-hmm. Um, so the new architecture was that your hub, meaning your Apple TV or your uh, AirPod, HomePod Mini, which both act as hubs for HomeKit, uh, would uh, pull all the devices. And then, so it would always know the status. It would just regularly pull the devices. And then when you launched HomeKit on your phone or your iPad or your computer or whatever, it would immediately pull the hub and just pull down the list of status for everything. And, you know, theoretically, that's supposed to be more stable. Well, when they launched it, almost immediately it became clear that something wasn't right because everything was unavailable. Everything was not working. 
And, mm. of course, this comes out right as everybody goes to Christmas break. Yeah. And so immediately <laughs> Apple pulled that update from the uh, most recent iOS release. So, and the nice thing was, is it wasn't, at least it wasn't uh, automatically installed. You had to actively say, yes, I want to switch to the new architecture. Now, in my house, I have a ton of smart home light bulbs and sensors and switches. And so I thought, yes, this is exactly what I want. This is going to solve a problem for me. So I switched to it. That was a mistake because I spent oh, wow. most of the holidays with my smart home not working. Oh, no. You know, and I've got lights that come on at certain times, you know, like I've got lights that are set up to come on in the living room uh, 15 minutes before sunset and things like that. And they wouldn't come on or huh. you couldn't you couldn't get them to come on. And so you'd have to manually go over and, you know, turn the switch to get the light to come on because otherwise oh. you'd, be, you'd be sitting there. And it's like, oh, my uh. God, I had to go back to the old fashioned way of doing things. It was horrible. Um, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world, but it's frustrating when you've gotten used to, like, I have a light sensor in my, I have a walk-in closet that's internal with no windows, right? So I've got a motion sensor. When you walk in there, it immediately turns on the lights and leaves them on for, you know, as long as three minutes after the last motion is sensed in that, in the closet. Um, that quit working. So, so, you know, now you walk in there and you're standing in the dark you have to turn around and walk back out and find the light switch. And because uh, light switch is on the wall as you walk into the closet. So, I mean, little things like that. And it's not like it's the end of the world. Obviously, all of these things are just conveniences. But yeah. you get used to these conveniences and suddenly none of it's working. And it's not working over the holidays. So, you know, nobody's in there fixing it. So um, then oddly enough, right around the 4th or 5th of January... It all started working, and I think Apple pushed something out and didn't tell anybody. They didn't announce it, but suddenly it all started working again. And I think that the bug was found, and they just pushed the software upgrade out to everybody who already had upgraded. And so just behind and, your back, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't announce it. I've not seen anything announced in any of the, the you know uh, websites or journals that follow Apple. But everything that didn't work started working, and... You can't tell me that that's not a, you know, it, coincidentally started working just after the first when people started coming back to work. A couple days later, it all started working again. <laughs> so Apple fixed something, you know, whatever it was. Um, but that's been my biggest glitch with it. Um, have you noticed any issues with iOS 16 or its various iterations thereafter? Well, we've seen several odd things happen. Uh, still... Uh, with my iPad, dead spots on the screen sometimes just get mm -hmm. maddening. Ah, you're right. Where you go to tap it and it doesn't seem to recognize that yeah. you're tapping on it. I've yeah, had that happen with both iPad and iPhone. And and mom's had the same thing on her iPad. Mm -hmm. So uh, not so much I don't notice stuff with iPhone because I don't use it very often, you know, mm -hmm. just uh, for the yeah. Well, not even close to what I do with the iPad. So. Yeah. Anyway, I I, I wouldn't complain. iPhone uh, had one really weird quirk, uh, and that was that I couldn't get the uh, uh, the darn map system to. It just got hung up. Uh, it was weird. I I pre-program things into my schedule for things I'm going to. Right. And. Uh, hey, you we, use a calendar for calendar purposes. 
Yeah, the calendar. So I pick up, it, it picks those up automatically, usually when I get in the car, pops it up on the screen and says, here's where you're going to, right? Right, yeah, because you put the location of the appointment or meeting or whatever in the right. in the right. calendar entry. Well, I do that as well. Yeah, well, Saturday we were going to a basketball game up in Davis. Mm -hmm. And uh, you think I could get that thing to go? I stopped along the road finally and just sat there and waited and then I unplugged it, got it working on the phone, then plugged it in. That was the only way I could finally get it going. So yeah. there's something going on between the car. So the car play has been flaky. The so. touch sensor has been flaky. I've had some weird things where the screen doesn't redraw properly. Like I will get something. Part of the screen is is in landscape and part of it's in portrait at the same time. Oh, I, I think I've seen something like that. I've too. seen a couple of those issues. Um, a, uh, you're, you're right with the calendar because when I go to meetings, I've usually put them in the calendar and I have the, the address of the place. And then, like you said, when you get in the car, it pops up and said, Hey, are you going here? Cause it knows you're in the car and you have an appointment. And so you hit the button and it just automatically puts it on the map. And I get in the car and get driving and it never automatically comes up on the map. I have to either manually say, Hey, navigate to here. Or, uh, or I just drive without the map. Um, but yeah, there's, so there's been lots of little buggy things like that. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, there was another sort of a mystery while I was driving home. Uh, I, uh, I thought that was, it showed there was this red spot of traffic backing up and then the yellow, you know, as you got to it. And as I, Moving on, suddenly it all just cleared up. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It must have been just left over from something, but it, it indicated that the, the traffic was clear. Right. And lo and behold, it was. Interesting. I was shocked. So I was telling people, or at least me, that this almost deterred. Mom didn't want to go on three. Right. There's any excuse, you know. It's red. Don't do that. Yeah. And. And I did. So it was like misreporting traffic because it was picking up like old data that was in the buffer or something. Some something like yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of things that it seems to be having seem to be if if I were trying to do troubleshooting, I would say they appear to be sort of like buffering issues. Like things that you know, it it like freezes up like there's this long latency as it clears the buffer and then whenever it clears out the buffer, then everything starts working again. You know? It's like the touch features, you know, it feels like there's like a dead spot. And then suddenly it'll like, you know, after a moment, it'll clear that up and now everything's working fine. But it just seems very laggy in that sense because there seems to be um, sort of, like I said, it just seems like they're like buffer issues of some sort. Like there's a memory buffer that's not not getting cleared right. And, you know, that that if they look at the core of it, somebody, you know, can probably fix that via software and say, hey, you know, we need to flush this more regularly so that we're not... You know, or, or we're overriding it somehow, we're overriding the buffer or something. Yeah, there's just, it, you know, because the screen things like maybe a buffer overwrite too for screen, you know, pieces of, of the graphics memory or something. Um, yeah. It just it just seems like, you know, that seems to me like a lot of these issues go back to that. Now, some people are also reporting random rebooting, and I can only say, you know, once in the last month or month, I guess, I, I remember where it would just, you know, the, the system just like rebooted itself on, on, and it was my phone. 
for yeah. some unknown reason. So, and that might have been, you know, another like type of glitch. Um, I've noticed too when it, sometimes when I'm taking a, a photo, like I take a photo and I'm going to send it to uh, somebody via text. So I'm in the text and I tap the little photo button from within the text. I take the picture and then there's a long, long wait before it pops up and says, okay, do you want to send that picture? Wow. You know, and, and so again, it's just kind of laggy. It's like something is, something's happening and, and you're like, well, what's going on that's taking so long? Why is it not, not going? You know, I don't know what the, uh, I'm sure glad I didn't buy an i14, iPhone 14. Yeah. Those, I think they got hung up and couldn't ship. You know, there were big delays on that phone coming out. Yeah. And then that on top of the uh, iOS 16 bugs and stuff. Right. Have just caused all kinds of complaints I've seen online by people. Well, from what I've read, it's not device dependent that it seems to be. It doesn't matter whether you're using a an older phone or the most recent phone. I don't think there's any issues with the current phones. I mean, I've got one, and I, I don't have any problems that I, I can point to and say this is a phone issue. Um, I think it's mostly just the software is bad right now. Um, well, I, I've, I've seen complaints about the iPhone 14, and then other people jump in and say, no, that's an OS problem. So Right. Know. Yeah. And that's kind of my sense is that I don't see anything that has been endemic to the iOS or to the iPhone 14 specifically. But, but it's you know, been... I, but I think it hit those people more because, you know, they just got the thing. You know, well, and, and it has to run iOS 16. So, it, yeah. you know, they, you know, if, so when they, when they switched to iOS 16, they probably did so by switching to a new device. Right. And yeah. so you blame the device. Right. Because that's all, you know, on that device. I will say that I did have, I spent uh, probably a month with my iPhone 11 on iOS 16 before I changed, and I was having issues there. So for me, it wasn't like, you know, I had not, I, I had already been using iOS 16 before I switched to the newer phone. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm blaming iOS 16 largely for this. Now, I also read somewhere, and we'll see if it t turns out to be true, that Apple has been taking a lot of their programming resources and diverting them to work on software supporting this supposed uh, AI headset they're coming out with. And as a result, that iOS uh, was it 17, the next one, will be less feature-rich. And quite frankly... You know, Apple's done this in the past. I would be absolutely, I think they're very much due for a reset type of version of their operating system. In other words, don't add a lot of features. We don't need features. What we need is stability. Go back and fix all of the bugs and make it as stable as possible. Because remember, they came out with uh, OS uh, Mac, or was it uh, Sierra, and then they followed it with High Sierra. And High Sierra admittedly didn't have a lot of new features it was just go through and streamline everything to make it work better and that's what they need to do with the next version of ios too because i feel like they've been adding features which are interesting and nice but you know the 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 core functions of the device have taken a hit because you've added stuff and and it's made things less stable than we're used to yeah you know and it's not that it's unusable it's just you know, it's like you, like, like we've saying, a lot of little quirky things like the, you know, you feel like you need to reset stuff or, or uh, you just have to wait because it's in weird mode. Um, I've noticed on my Mac on the latest version of the OS, which I guess is what, 13 is what they're calling it. 
um, that like when I go to launch an app, used to be the icon had bounced once or twice and the app would be running. Now I sit there and watch the app bounce eight, nine times before the app launches. Again, just weird slow stuff like it's not handling memory properly or not flushing some buffers so that it can then have free space to do work. You know, just some basic stuff. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, uh, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. It sounded like you stepped away and then uh, and then you didn't say anything. So, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I, well, I wasn't saying anything because I was kind of perusing another article here. Yeah. It's, it's history. The article turned out to be history. The thing, it says Apple's biggest hardware flops. So it's not today's stuff. It, it went back to Apple 3 and... and mm-hmm. uh, Apple Lisa, and, you know, if, yeah. but if you want to read history, <laughs> you know, yeah. about flops. Well, it's funny you just talk about reading stuff. I was like the the comments. If you go down to the comments on the um, on the uh, Mac Rumors page, the article where they're talking about iOS users continue to report, you know, a plethora of bugs months after launch. Yeah. Their comments are all almost the exact same things that we were saying. It's like Apple needs to get back to basics and focus on the next release cycle on performance and quality. Yep. Uh, somebody saying none of the bugs that I reported since the 16.1 beta have been fixed. Same goes for Mac OS bugs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. th- another person says this is what happens when you keep pushing out crap software and hardware just to keep people buying the latest junk each year. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you really think, you know. Uh, when are they going to fix HomeKit? Um, that was six hours ago. And maybe other people are having different experiences. But like I said, my HomeKit suddenly started working like uh, middle of the week after the new year. That's weird. And so I, I'm confident that they pushed something out. They've not said anything. Nobody's admitted it, but there was a bug that that somebody did something because it 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 was dramatically. I mean, it went from basically not functioning at all to basically everything's working and pretty reliable in you know like overnight. So something got pushed out. Um, you know, maybe other people aren't experiencing it, but but uh, it was it was night and day for me. <laughs> so I was like, ah, okay, it's usable again, yay! Because it was literally not usable. I mean, I just you know walk yeah. away. So, but the overall OS has still got some issues. You know, um, it's just it's it's definitely pokey, definitely yep. pokey. So. Um, well, where to go from here? Yeah. Well, the only thing I had to say was I recently, uh, decided that I was going to, in addition to my, uh, our, our weekly thing, when ideas pop into my head or things that I, that are either, you know, great designs that I really like or, or something that is just done really, really badly. Um, I like, wanted a, an outlet to put that stuff in. So I decided to, to, and I've done this before, like with, you know, tweeting and things like that, but I just decided to do a blog. So I took the, um, uh, and I, I don't have it pointed there yet, but nervestorm.com is, is a website that I own. Thus, uh, my, um, uh, you know, nervestorm email addresses and, uh, but I've set up a WordPress blog. And so I sent you a link to it there. 
And so I'm just a couple things. Like one of them, um, the first thing, the, the first two things I put, of course, were rants about things that I'm not happy about. But one of them was the stupidity of some of the laws in California right now. Like, you know, they got it under their skin that plastic straws were, were the bane of existence in California. And now nobody's allowed to offer you legally a plastic straw. So if you go to a restaurant or a drive through even, they're not allowed to offer you a star- straw. You have to remember to ask for it. Now, I've noticed most places initially they were doing that. Most places have started ignoring that and just giving you the stupid straw. But the irony is, is that at the same time they did this, it <laughs> seems like almost everywhere uh, has stopped using paper cups, and they're giving you a plastic cup with a plastic lid. But they're not allowed to give you the plastic straw because plastic is bad. Now, how stupid is that? Yeah. You know, we pay 10 cents in California for every plastic bag we bring home from a store. If I go to Target or Walmart or any grocery store, if I want a bag, I have to pay an extra 10 cents for that bag. Somebody has perverted this to make a buck. Right. Because they get you know, those things and it's, a, and it's hundred for a dime, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so stupid. Well, and the when they, when they tried to pass the law, the grocery stores all tried to fight it because they said, people are going to be furious if I have to pay a dime for a stupid bag. We don't want to do that. And But you know what? Now we do it. And what I thought was interesting is I recently was on a trip in my, my pilgrimage to the frozen tundra in Wisconsin and go pack. And uh, actually, it's go pack, go. And... Uh, you know, I bought some stuff at a store, and they just give you the bag. They don't care. And you know what? Walking around, I didn't see, like, plastic bags floating down the street. And frankly, in California, <laughs> I don't see any more or any less plastic bags floating down the street. The fact that I'm paying a dime for it hasn't changed anything. All it's done is cause me, cost me a couple extra dimes every time I go to the store and irritate me every time I think about it. The whole plastic policy is inconsistent and stupid. We need to rethink the whole thing from bottom to top. You know, if we're going to ban them, then that's fine. Let's say go back to using paper, you know, and people complain about, oh, well, you're chopping down trees. They grow trees like they grow wheat. You know, it's grown, yeah. it's grown in a forest that was designed for pulp manufacturing. And, and so, you know, if, if you think paper is more eco-friendly, then, then use the, the paper. Quite frankly, at least they're growing trees that are then, you know, putting oxygen out into the atmosphere. So the whole process has got to be more green-friendly. I say go back to paper. You know, there's a current, um, one of my favorite, uh, you know, I don't want to call it hole in the wall because that makes it sound, you know, it sounds demeaning. But there's a Mexican food drive through place around here called Miguel's Jr. Love Miguel's Jr. Like their food. Good place to go. If you buy any of their combo meals now, instead of a corrugated or a, um, a pressed paper type of carton that they put the food in, it's this flimsy, clear plastic thing that doesn't help retain heat, that leaks, that's floppy, and it's a plastic box. And it's like, why did they switch to plastic? I'm sure because it's a, a lot cheaper than the paper one. Um, but, you know, again, they hand me my food in this dumb plastic tray that I hate and I'm quite frankly have considered going to a different, uh, you know, food place because I don't like because I hate their their plastic box so much, um, you know. And then I still have to ask for a straw <laughs> because they won't give me a straw unless I ask for it. Okay, know? Todd, just move out of California and you'll be happy. I tell you what, <laughs> it's it's some of the stupidity is just you sit there shaking your head, going, "How do these people manage to get out of bed every morning?" You know, because, I mean, that requires thinking, and I don't think they're capable of it. 
So, um, you know, and then the other thing that I thought about that just absolutely drove me nuts, and this was also in relation to my recent trip to uh, to Minnesota, not Minnesota, <gasps> bite your tongue, to uh, Wisconsin, was um, I had a rental car, and I had rented, I, I had reserved a, uh, what was it, a Nissan Maxima, right, or like, Nissan Maxima or like. So I get there, and we're, you know, standing in frigid weather, holding bags bundled up like I can barely bend my arms, and the guy walks us over to the cars, and he goes, okay, you can have the Audi convertible, it was an A4 convertible, an Audi A4 hardtop, or a Mercedes C300. And I looked at them and I said, well, there's no way on earth in 14-degree weather I'm going to be driving a convertible. I don't, care how ins- <laughs> I don't care how insulated the roof is and how strong the heater is. I'm not taking the convertible. So I looked at the other two, and the hardtop Audi had snow on it, and the Mercedes didn't. And I went, okay, I'll take the Mercedes because I don't want to have to scrape snow off yet. I know I'm going to have to on this trip, but I don't want to have to do it when I first get the car. <laughs> you know, the height of laziness, right? So we bundle all our stuff up and jam it into this car, and we go dr- start to drive, and we sit in the car for 10 minutes trying to figure out how to work the car. It is so unintuitive and so ridiculous. And I plug my phone in so that I can then use... Uh, Apple's CarPlay and Maps to get me to the hotel, which is like uh, 1.5 miles from the airport where we're staying the first night. And in 10 minutes, two adult men, one who's very tech literate, being me, could not figure out how to do it. We just finally said, screw it, we'll deal with it in the morning. We put the maps up on the phone and my brother held the phone so I could see it. And that's how we drove. And, and, <laughs> and, and then w- the next morning, we finally figured out how to turn it on so that I could get CarPlay, and they've got this big screen. But guess what? CarPlay, designed with a beautiful touch interface, doesn't have a touch interface in the Mercedes. <laughs> Instead, you have a knob sitting down by your hip, and you turn the knob, and it highlights different things on the screen. And when you highlight the thing you want, you then tap the knob, and it selects it for you. And I thought, is that not the most asinine design ever? These idiots at Mercedes-Benz decided that they know better than the experts who designed the stupid interface in the first place and said, no, 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 no. You don't want to look over and touch it because that will only take you a fraction of a second. Instead, you're going to spin a knob around to try to highlight it while you're looking at the screen instead of the road that you're driving down at 70 miles an hour and then tap the dumb knob. Oh, my goodness. What a stupid design. I was so mad with that thing the entire Four days we were there. The dumbest thing ever. To their credit, I went to Mercedes-Benz website, and they no longer do that. They now have a touchscreen. So for for whatever year they did that. But I will tell you that um, uh, Mazda has that same interface with the knob for CarPlay in all of their devices, in all their cars. I won't buy another Mazda. And I have a Mazda that I like very much, and it's very old. Um, doesn't have any kind of screen in it at all. Um I will not replace it with another Mazda for that reason alone. That interface is the height of stupidity and arrogance of the engineers at Mazda. It's horrible. I don't know what their justification is. I can't possibly think of a reason why somebody thought that was a better way to interact with with an interface that was designed to be a touch interface. But no, we're not going to use a touch interface. We're going to do it our way and make it harder for you to use this dumb thing. Um, so Mazda, uh, Mercedes Benz got better. And then I once rented a Range Rover that had that same dumb knob. So it seems like people who have aspirations of being higher end car manufacturers think they know better than people who design computer interfaces on how to work with a computer. 
Stupid, yep. stupid, stupid. I was so mad. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, it's what we recently they, they put out a statistic saying that what 70, 76% of new car buyers, the, the primary thing they're looking for is CarPlay as a feature in their car, that that's a, a must have. They won't buy a car with it without it. And as a result, most car manufacturers now support CarPlay. I mean, it's, it's in the 90 percentile. Um, but the, but, support, you know, but I, how you support it is just as important because you have the same – you have an issue with CarPlay in your car, yeah, right? Well, see, I bought it when there were only six cars uh, available in my that I could buy that mm-hmm. had CarPlay in it. That, that it, it was too new, you know? Right. And uh, But none of them had it as a primary feature. It had Google Play most of the time, at least right. mine does. Uh, is the one it comes up with, and I have to plug it in to my phone in order to get CarPlay into it. Right. Instead yeah. of being the number one choice. Right. <laughs> well, what 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 has happened is is that a lot of car manufacturers, uh, their their infotainment system is based on Android, and yeah. so Android Auto is easy to support because they're already running Android for their interface even though it maybe is a custom interface custom to whichever car manufacturer it is. But the problem that I've had, because I've driven your car, is when you plug in CarPlay, the CPU or the interface, I don't know what, what's causing the lag, but it's so underpowered that there's, right. there's a huge lag between tapping something on the screen and something actually happening. And it's right. not on the phone because if you tap that same icon on the phone, it happens immediately. So there's something with that CarPlay interface that's just bad. Yeah, it's the processor. It's just, yeah. You know, yeah, it's barely just bad. adequate. I I have an old Ford Ranger pickup truck, and I needed to put a backup camera in it because I can't turn very well because I've got a uh, a neck injury. And so I went and looked, and what I ended up doing was putting in a Sony head unit in the radio space, with, and it's all screen with just one little knob that controls volume. And it has a wired camera that goes to the back of the car so that I can see out the back when I'm backing up. But when I plug in my phone, I now have CarPlay in this, you know, 25-year-old pickup truck. Um, And it works great. In fact, it works. I was hesitant because the screen is actually a capacitive screen. But the reviews that I read said, if we didn't tell you, you wouldn't know it's that good. And it absolutely is. I actually Mm -hmm. love using CarPlay on that device. Thought about putting one of those into my Mazda, but I keep telling, I've been telling myself for three years that I'm going to sell the Mazda and replace it or, or get rid of it, you know, just drive it to the dump and get a new one because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm trying to minimize the amount of money I put into that Mazda. But, um, but, you know, it's, it's an aftermarket CarPlay that is great. And, uh, you know, but it's, I guess, like we said, what year is your car? Mine's 2017. 2017. So we think we forget that, you know, we're 2023 now, early 2023. Six years ago, CarPlay was pretty new and it wasn't available on every car. And I think there was only a couple places that you or like there was one or two aftermarket head units that you could put in. And I think the first year that it was out, you couldn't even put it in an aftermarket head unit, Um, you know, uh, aftermarket radio. Um, But I went to the wire cutter. And they had reviews of aftermarket CarPlay radios. And at the time, this Sony was the number one rated one. And so I bought it on Amazon and then uh, 
decided not to install it myself because I had to, you had to run the wire back for the camera and stuff, and I didn't want to crawl around underneath the car again because of my neck issues. So I took it over to Best Buy and hadn't paid their installer to install it for me, and they did a great job. Um, and I've been very happy with that. But, you know, they didn't try to tell me that I had to control it with the knob, and <laughs> it's not so laggy that I have to, you know, tap <laughs> on the button multiple times. So anyway, those two things... The inconsistent plastic policy and, you know, the experts get the title for a reason is what I call the other one. My complaints about CarPlay misredesigning, um, you know, it, it is where it starts. And I'm hoping that not everything in here is going to be a rant that I'm going to also, because I know I come across <laughs> things that I design that are like, wow, I just love how that's made, you know, like that yep. is really cool. You know, it's sort of like the first time you see a Leatherman tool and you go, Wow. That is so uh-huh. handy, you know? Uh-huh. And, and and there there are some things like that that are just really, you know, I love good design. I really appreciate it. So I want to celebrate good design as much as complain about really, really bad design. And, that, and it's not necessarily all design. Some of it's, you know, social policy like California's plastic. You know, I don't even know how to, to characterize that. It's, 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 it's just it's just insane. Absolutely insane, you know. It's like, yes, yes, whales are going to die if I have a plastic straw. But you hand me a plastic cup with a plastic lid, and I guess I just have to, you know, suck it through the hole with my lips. Um, I've I've never liked straws. I'd rather drink out of the cup directly, but that's a that's an impossibility without an accident on the road. Yeah, I was going to say I, I'm with you. Most of the time, I don't want a straw if I'm sitting somewhere. But when I'm, you know, if I'm getting it through the drive-through, a straw is a necessity. Yeah, you know. Now, there's been a few places that say, well, you can buy a reusable straw. And it's like, yes, I want to carry around in, in my pocket because I'm not – I don't have a purse, a a metal straw that I can then, you know, get a real skinny brush to wash out every day. That's yeah. not going to happen. You know, I don't want pocket lint in my straw. Or they're <laughs> saying use a paper straw. And I have used paper straws. I have never had a paper straw last as long as the drink. <laughs> You know, <laughs> unless I want to absolutely chug the straw down th- or the, the drink down through the straw before the straw just falls apart. Because, you know, paper, even waxed paper doesn't seem to last very well. You know what makes paper last a long time? Coat it with plastic. Then it'll work great. <laughs> Bunch of bozos. California. You know, it's well, a beautiful I... place. But they're just some of the stuff we go through here is just nuts. Well, I personally uh, grew up with the paper straws. And when they came out with plastic things, I says, oh, that's awful. I don't like the feel of a plastic straw in my mouth. Yeah. Now I think you probably react exactly the opposite. So, well, you know, I don't think I've had a paper straw. Paper straw, right. And again, you know, if they wax it, it, it lasts longer, which they usually do. But even that doesn't work. The, the paper straws disintegrate. If you can make a paper straw that doesn't disintegrate, lasts the entire time that I'm drinking my drink. Well, how did the environmentalists ever allow plastic straws to happen when they had this? Oh, nobody was thinking about it at that time. You know, it's like we didn't think about the fact that there'd be millions of, of plastic straws, you know, floating out into the ocean. Um, you know, but I mean... I literally will go to a drive-thru and they will – I have to ask for a plastic straw, but they'll hand me a plastic drink with a plastic lid in a plastic container with plastic cutlery. And I'm like, huh, 
but I have to ask for the straw because the straw is bad. The rest of this stuff's all okay. You know, it's like, be consistent. Just get it together. You know, if it's bad and and we decided plastic is something we don't want to use in the amounts that we're using and, you know, and they're talking about, you know, having physical problems and health problems as a result to having like micro amounts of plastic absorbed into our body over the years because we use so much plastic in our society now. Fine. Let's make the decision we're not going to use plastic. Let's find alternatives that really work and let's do it. But let's not pick on a fork or a straw and then let everything else go. You know? I mean, yep. it's like, you know, I, I don't have an issue with show me the statistics, show me the data. If it really is causing a problem, then I'm 100% behind getting getting rid of it. But then get rid of it. Don't say, well, you can't have this particular item in plastic, but everything else is fine. That's just stupid. Yep. You know, you know, and well, people aren't stupid, but society sure seems to be. Well, we, we play it. We play it out through our politicians, I think. That's we why it's have, stupid, because have, our politicians are stupid. We have an uh, over, overflowing uh, stupidity at state and local levels. Yeah. Although I kind of like our, our state here because of one thing. They happen to have a media guy who does a weekly show on the state issues. And I never saw that in any other state. And I've lived in a lot of states. And... And it actually really helps that people know what the heck is going on in their in their uh, House of Representatives and Senate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of have a and the media up. guy works for the governor, so he spins everything for the party that the governor in power happens to be. No, we have a, <laughs> a Dem- we have a Democrat governor and Republican houses. Right, and, but the uh, media guy is what? And who I, appoints that person? He's the one who's the show is named after, so he founded right. the show. So and, is he he and, elected directly, or is he appointed by the governor? Or no, 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 no. He he actually just is, keeps the citizens informed about what's going on in the in the state. Right, but and, you're you're missing what I'm I'm trying to point out here is how does he get that job? Is he is he just an independent person who decided to do this? And it's a business. It's his business. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so he's not really a. Uh, he's just a commentator. Yeah. Right. And, okay. And, and he and he has three sort of permanent uh, panelists and one guest. Gotcha. And the guest is usually somebody from the Congress that uh, related to whatever's going on. That okay. Week, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. But every but I state. Find... You said you've never found a state like that, and you implied that it was a state thing that they were doing. This is just oh. some some dude. And yeah. everybody has some dude that talks about what's going on in, in the state. You can find podcasts and radio shows that'll tell you what's been going on in your house of, you know, your state representatives and state Senate and that kind of stuff oh, oh, I in know. every the, state. That, yeah. But uh, too often you depend on national news to cover something in your state. You don't get it on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, They're my, guess, really my guess is that most of the people in North Carolina don't listen to this guy either. They probably listen to the national news and the, you know, whatever their evening news and whatever, you know, their Facebook page, wherever they get their news from. Right. I, I, I think that you North Carolina is a somewhat unique state in several ways mm-hmm. that they have uh, another facility that brings people in the state together. And that's the our state magazine. Absolutely. The best magazine in the United States today. It's, <laughs> it's almost like a book. Now, we took uh-huh. it for a long time, but it, but it stacked up and, 
and, and they're capable. They got wonderful art in them. And yeah, it's, it's just really great. And so you see, read an article, then you go to see the place. So their best advertising for us at least came through that, but, but we dropped it because it wasn't cheap, you know? Right. Uh, Meaning lots they, and lots they, of people don't get it at all because they couldn't afford it. And they also sponsor a PBS uh, show. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least one, which is interesting. So, yeah. Well, if you go to ourstate.com, you get the online version of their, their thing. And you could resubscribe, but they give you samples of stuff they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of things talking about uh, food and different restaurants and things like that. Lots mm-hmm. of places to go try great food. Yeah. The, the, that's almost a routine that they have a, a yeah. restaurant. Feature, they have featured mm-hmm. businesses of certain types, and then they have just an ad hoc. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's an interesting state to live in, and to be honest with you, I find it a lot more likable than I thought I would. Right. Uh, when I first came here, we moved here because Haley uh-huh. moved here, you know. Right. Yeah. And glad that they've stayed around longer they are, and, and, as they have, and they're building a new home, so they'll be here probably many years longer. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, and if you are a member of the AAA for Southern California, you get a regular magazine that they put out called Westways, and it's sort of the same thing. It's about culture and things to do in the Southwest, in Southern California in particular, but they it's all over the West, Southwest, uh, restaurants and things to, you know, places to see, and lots of beautiful pictures about those places. So, you know, it's a um, similar type of idea. Um you know, like their recent one, they've got like, they're talking about day trips and they've got like one uh, article on Chinatown in L.A., uh, one on visiting La Jolla and another out visiting the wine country out around Temecula. Mm-hmm. And so all in Southern California. And, you know, they'll talk about the different places to go see and do. And so that's nice. We, you know, we even have a wine country here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny about just about uh, all over the country. I think it used to be California was the was the and it probably still is in in terms of total barrels, the the wine capital of the US, you know, but France was big in wine, right? And then California came on. Now, I I don't think there's a state that doesn't have some wineries, you know. Well, well, you know, the interesting thing is uh, France had uh, the the European market just about locked up maybe five, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but the weather has changed such that there was a 60 minutes feature talking about all the French wineries opening vineyards in, in England of all places, mm-hmm. because it was more favorable there now than it was in, in Southern France. So the climate change has impacted that business quite, quite a big way. Yeah. You got to go where the climate is to grow the right grapes, right? Right. It's all about the grapes in the wine world. Anyway, having been in both countries, I thought it was a little chilly in England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a few years ago, but it's yeah. been a while since you've been there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, like if you're a professional sommelier, how does that throw you off when suddenly now, you know, the wine, the, the wine country, per se, air quotes, you know, is changing, right? Yeah, right, right. It's like, hey, yes, this was from the whatever valley in France. And it's like, well, no, not anymore. Now we grow that one. Those grapes are now grown in, uh, in Buckinghamshire. And I'm making that up. I don't know if there's a Buckinghamshire, yeah. you know, <laughs> Buckinghamshire land, well, I, you know, I wish they would, I wish they would raise macadamia nuts here. <laughs> <laughs> Move to Hawaii for that one. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, you know, it's well, um, I, I, for our 30th anniversary, we had gone to Hawaii with uh, my brother and his wife, and we stayed on the Big Island and really had a good time. And I liked it a lot. And I actually looked at real estate there and thought, you know, that'd be a nice place to be. But since then, the volcanoes have become more active and less predictable. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you forget that living on an island in Hawaii means that you're living at the top of a volcano. <laughs> and yep. the, bo- the bottom of that <laughs> volcano is the bottom of the ocean. But the top of that volcano, we call that an island. And I'm not so sure that's where I want to live. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Nice place to visit. Don't know if I would really want to live there. Well, I'll tell you, I, I am quite happy because of the climate and stuff here, too. Yeah. We've been very lucky. We, we don't get a lot of these bad storms that come across because they get to the mountains and they get diverted and they go north. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So, I yeah. mean, we got uh, some warnings last week. You know, yeah. About, uh, well, I was there about a year ago. We got a pretty good storm came through, and we got, what, about four inches of snow? And by the end of that day, most of the snow was kind of melted out. I mean, it was, you know, so it wasn't like you get buried in in giant drifts of snow or anything. You know, it, it well, gets cold. Well, especially this year, they've been having awful weather in lots of places. I mean, people, tornadoes in the south recently were terrible. Uh, but uh, they didn't get here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, to be honest, I mean, climate wise, the, where, where I live is not so bad either. You know, I mean, the summers get a little hot, but uh, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's dry. It's it's, it's you know, not a lot of humidity and stickiness, not a lot of bugs because there's not a lot of humidity and stickiness. Um, you know, we've got beautiful mountains. If you like going to the mountains that are, you know, a half hour away, we've got the ocean. It's a half hour away. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot to like about this place, not their plastics policy, but a lot to like. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I think that, you know, anywhere that people live, I think they can kind of find reasons to say, you know, there's a lot of nice things here, Minus. you know? It's oh, yeah. a lot of it has to do with when you're visiting, <laughs> you know, everybody has that season where it's like, yeah, I, but it's only one part of the year. And then the rest of the time it's wonderful, you know? Because right. I'm not a big fan of really hot weather. My wife likes the warm weather. Um, she calls it warm. I call it hot. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 only really bad for six or seven weeks out of the year usually where it's like really where I consider it uncomfortably warm and doesn't really cool off. You know, only I would say it's probably only a couple of weeks out of the year where it doesn't cool off at night. And so it's still hot out at night. You know, you go out at night and it's, you know, 85, 90 degrees still. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's it's a desert, but it's not a high desert, you know. But you, if you lived up north of here, there's the high desert where, you know, you get some snow and it's more like your climate, right. you know, but drier still. So I don't know. You know, you find what to like and what to dislike each place you live. Yep. So. And what's good to eat and what's not good to eat each place you live. Good food. That's yep. that's that's the main reason to live somewhere. Well, you know the, you know there's been several places that I miss, and a number of them were from tra- just while we were traveling RVing because sure. we'd come yeah. back to them, you know. Yeah. But uh, so I miss RVing in that sense that I can't go to those places. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that isn't that the, it's like that's what I remember about places a lot. I mean, there's a lot of other things, you know, the people and the friends and stuff like that. But um, you know, of course, but. Uh, like, you know, we lived in Pennsylvania for a few years and, you know, there's a few restaurants there that I liked and it's like, I can't go to those anymore. 
But while I was there, I desperately missed some of the places that I used to eat here. You know, I mentioned uh, Miguel's Jr. earlier. They're really, in my experience, uh, when we lived there, I can't speak for now, but when we lived there, there was no good Mexican food in the Pittsburgh area. None. And I went to every restaurant that had a vaguely Hispanic-sounding name, and I didn't care for any of it. But largely, it was because they were cooking for the people in that area, which meant that everything was very bland by by typical standards Mm -hmm. because the people there didn't like lots of really hot food. They couldn't sell it. And so they made bland versions of it, Um, you know, and that was frustrating for me. (laughs) So, so, uh, you know. I remember. I remember when I used to uh, be driving across Arizona and we'd pull off uh, somewhere south of Phoenix down on the 10 there. And I, I can still see the, how to get to it. The town was a mile off the road. And we'd go back in and the, and the chef came out every time and says, have you eaten here before? Because he wanted to be sure you knew how hot things were. I says, yes, sir. And that's why we stopped. <laughs> yeah. But now... Uh, because of age, I guess, I, I just can't tolerate really hot food. So yeah. I have to order the mild, and sometimes that's even... Yeah. Well, and part, part, part of it might be age. Part of it also might be um, you're not used to it anymore, you know? You get used to eating whatever it is you're eating. And if you're eating well, stuff that is less spicy, then yeah. it's, you know, then when you get something spicy, it's going to seem, you know, significantly different. It's the contrast between the two. Yeah, probably. You know? Um, it's funny cause I've noticed that my wife used to eat pretty mild food too. She didn't like it very hot. And over the years, I like things kind of spicy. And so she has gotten more and more used to eating spicy stuff because when I cook, I, I would kick it up a little bit and she started cooking a little bit more spicy for me. And so she's just gotten used to it. And so now she actually eats pretty spicy food, mm. but, uh, you know. That said, there's places where I would go and eat something and it would light me up. And I'm like, yeah, I can't eat that. <laughs> it's, that's going to hurt me. Yep. But uh, I'm looking at the um, Our State website and they've got a an article on the Gr- Omni Grove Park Inn. And it's an historic hotel in, um, in Asheville. And it's this beautiful, big, uh, old uh, uh, rock type of, uh, or are those vines growing all over the front of the bed? I don't know. It looks like it's a rock uh, and uh, stone-built uh, hotel inn. And they've in the entryway, they've got like a historic picture of the entryway um, over 100 years ago. But they've got two huge fireplaces in the, uh, in the foyer. And, uh, and the place obviously has been there for a long time because the picture is dated 1913. It's over 100 years ago. And it's a bunch of people sitting around in wicker uh, rocking chairs facing this big giant fireplace. This is, that looks like a really neat place to go visit. That's a beautiful area, too. And they get a lot more uh, cold weather than you do is Asheville because yeah. they're kind of higher elevation up in the mountains more. Um, although I yeah. read somewhere that they've got like the highest rate of crime in the entire state is Asheville. So is that right? Well, yeah. probably so, but well, probably there's because a... there's a lot of visitors there. And so people are you right. know, taking advantage of visitors. Yep. Bad people going where there's money to be taken. Right. That's right. Why are you here? Because yeah. This is where the money is. <laughs> Let's see. It was, uh, 
built, let's see, after the nearby Biltmore House was completed in 1895, Grove began buying mountaintop property for development and eventually built this. So it was built um, after they had built the, the big Biltmore, which is what everybody goes to visit there. It opened in 1913, yeah. And uh, apparently the uh, uh, Biltmore House was built in 1895. So, so it was a bit later. So yeah, I'm I'm going through uh, North Carolina digital collection, so you can go back through a whole bunch of these our state magazines one after another, and and uh, just keep bring, bringing them up. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. got just it's got copies page digital page six seven eight whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grove Park Inn. Is what it was called when he launched it, but it's now it's called the Omni Grove Park Inn. So I'm, it got bought out by a chain. But uh, it's funny to I, it's fun to to visit some of those historic places. I've had the the good fortune to have stayed in a few historic hotels. I stayed in one in uh, San Francisco that uh, had uh, survived the San Francisco fire, and it had an elevator. But I think about three people could fit on the elevator. It was this huh. tall, old, narrow. Uh, hotel, and and uh, they had a piano, a pianist playing in the in the foyer as you walked in at a big fireplace, yeah. just uh, really kind of cool. And I got the opportunity one time. There was the um, uh, the athletic club in Pittsburgh, and after I had lived there, I went back to visit for uh, for work with with uh, traveling with two other people, and one of the guys was a member of the downtown athletic club in Los Angeles. And he was able to book us rooms staying at the downtown athletic club there in Pittsburgh. And the athletic club has since shut down the facility, but the building is still there and it has been repurposed. But it it was a, um, uh, originally built in the 1800s downstairs. They had a, uh, bowling alley and it was the nine pin bowling with the, the balls that are a little bit bigger than a softball. Yeah that you could go bowling at and uh, they had a restaurant in the place and obviously uh, uh, athletic facilities, exercises and things like, you know, to play that kind of stuff. Um, but it was kind of cool because the rooms were, were, uh, you know, like historic old, the, the whole building, you know, it was really old building it was, and the, the rooms that they rented were like on the top floor. So you were up, I think it was about five stories high, five or six stories high. Uh, and, you know, the, the uh, roof line at that point wasn't flat, so the ceilings were angled and the rooms. It was just, it was fun, you know, had had uh, radiators in the rooms. That was your heating source. And I uh, I enjoy Radi- old architecture and old buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. Mom and I went into a, a, a historic old hotel in uh, Victoria Island in the west, just north of uh, Washington, state of Washington, Uh all in, but it's in Canada, mm-hmm. and we we took a, a trip. I think it was out of Seattle, uh, up to. Uh, yeah, Victoria Island is the largest island on the west coast of North America. It's yeah. three three hundred kilometers long, and. Uh, well, uh, anyway, we we went up the up the the sound and over to the island at the city down at the southern end of it, mm-hmm. and stayed there overnight, and then came back the next day, and. Uh, we came back the afternoon of the next day and went to a gardens that's famous there. I forget what it's called now uh, in the, in the morning. 
after breakfast. But but the hotel we stayed in had that same fault that yours did. It had this little cage, metal cage that was an elevator, mm-hmm. and it was and mom would go on it. And good thing there's another lady and her husband got stuck halfway up. <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we had nervous. We were nervous about this one, and I think I was traveling with my mother-in-law, my daughters, and my wife. We had to go up in two different groups, and you know, and if you're fitting luggage on there, it was like yeah. that, that took up like one body's worth of space. It was pretty tiny, but yeah. uh, you know, when when they built elevators back at the turn of the century, they weren't giant, spacious places. But so. at least, but at least they had, even though they had an old bedstead, they had a good mattress. So. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Yeah, that sleep, that's sleep that, on a feather bed or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've that, I've had the experience of sleeping on a genuine feather bed though at, at uh, your mom's uh, grandparents. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And yeah, that was in I was in Iowa. You said Victoria and, Island. You meant Vancouver Island, right? Or did I misunderstand? I, I, it was Victoria on Vancouver Island. Right, yeah, Vancouver Island, because they do have a Victoria right. Island, but that's North North Canada, and it's usually you can walk there because it's iced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Yeah, I was just clarifying. Uh, I, I may have misheard it. You may have said it right. I, I but uh, no, I think you're right. I think I said Victoria Island. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show Alone, um, but they take people and they basically. You, you could pick items from a list of things you're allowed to take with you, and you basically go out and you live out in the wilderness by yourself. They give you a satellite phone for emergency purposes, uh, or if you've gone far enough, you know, you can't find food and you're hungry and you got to give up, then you call and tap out and they'll come get you. Um, but uh, it's an interesting show, and the early episodes were all filmed somewhere on Victoria Island because most of that island is wilderness. And... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's beautiful, beautiful place, from what I could see. So it's the world's forty third largest island, and about four hundred thousand people live on the island. But almost all of them live down on the south end of it, where the cities are. But uh, yeah, they're saying yeah, the island is four hundred and fifty six kilometers long. That's almost three hundred miles. And about 62 miles wide at its widest point. So. Yep. So, yeah, anyway, I, would, I would like to go visit there sometime. It sounds like that place you stayed was pretty wonderful. Yeah, well, it was just one of those little tour things that we just decided to do, you know. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. Uh, I think of historic places, and I always think of, like, the um, the historic hotels. They've got modern ones, but they have historic hotels there on the edge of the the southern end of the Grand Canyon. Um, yeah. And uh, and I've stayed at the uh, in some of the cabins on the north side of the Grand Canyon as well, and a lot of those are more historic. Um, it's fun staying in those places and thinking about the history and the other people that have been there, you know? Yeah. Um, and seeing how they built stuff. I mean, a lot of that stuff was really built to last, you know, because they, uh, you know, used what was available and how they built it, you know? It's interesting just how they build the architecture and what what they thought was important when building a building. Yep. So, anyway, um, we've gone for quite a while now, and uh, I'm thinking we're probably almost done. For for not having a whole lot to talk about, we talked about a lot. 
oh, we're pretty good at that. Yeah, we are. We got a skill. We got skills. So you want to call it? I think we should probably. Okay, so unless you got something else you wanted to bring up. So, well, best wishes to everybody listening and uh, a continued wonder, wonderful new year in 2023. And uh, I guess I'll talk to you at least in the podcast next week and if not sooner, some other way. Okay. Have a good week. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Next week it is.